Welcome to Cryptonized, the show that interviews the crypto masters and their ideas on investing and the blockchain. And now here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Robert Beatles is the founder of Monarch. He's known as Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and he's done a bunch of other things. He's truly, in my book, an enigma. And today we're going to talk about another enigma that a lot of you may or may not know of, and that is a concept of DeFi or decentralized finance. Robert, can't wait to do this show with you. Welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself in a hundred words or less? Hundred words or less. I just wasted a bunch right there. Didn't I'm going to count them. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome work. Yeah, cool. So I got strep throat. So sorry for the uh, the raspiness on top of my normal deepness. So, but uh, yeah, my name is Robert Beatles. I'm a Christian husband, father. I've uh, been in the space since around 2011. A guy named Max Kaiser opened my eyes to Bitcoin. Uh, prior to that, I started one of the uh, the state's largest construction service companies, as well as a software company. And uh, now I am the uh, the co-founder and builder of the Monarch Wallet, Monarch Pay have uh, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, have uh, Crypto Beatles on TV, as well as uh, we're the face of TradingView sessions on TradingView. Wonderful. I mean, you, you're, you're a man of many talents, and, and I want to talk about that because you started in construction and then real estate, and then how the heck did you get the crypto from all that? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Sure. So uh, I've been with my wife since we were 14 years old, and prior to that, I'd always been a little techie, you know, bulletin board systems, all that kind of stuff, you know, Amigas and Commodore 64s and IBM 18060Xs, all that kind of stuff. So always been a little techie. But when we uh, when we got pregnant, I really couldn't make, uh, you know, I couldn't pay for the three of us uh, doing doing software at the time or doing things like that. So I already had a little bit of a background in construction, working on some rundown, dilapidated houses. So it made it made it uh, easier for me to to get into construction. I started uh, working at the bottom of a construction company. Within a couple of years, I uh, built it up um, to where I was running running the show. Then I got into it with the owner, and he said, "Look, man, if you can do a better job." go start your own company. So I did. And that was back in, I think around 2003, 2004. Uh, within, you know, a few years, I was able to get it up and running to where I didn't have to be there every day. And so let me go back in my passion of, of software, of computers. So I created a Splash Factory, which is a, a software development company that uh, was creating applications and platforms for people like the United States Post Office. It's myself and my good friend, uh, Uriah Faber, UFC legend. And then uh, around 2011, I was able to um, hear from Max Kaiser, man, telling us about how great Bitcoin is and how, how it could save us from another financial you know, travesty like we had in 2008. So I got bit by the bug, started dollar cost averaging in, started you know, learning as much as I could about blockchain and crypto. And then around 2017, that's when people that knew me well, they already knew that I'd been in blockchain and crypto. And so they started hearing about Bitcoin. Their friends were buying boats and houses and all kinds of stuff from their from their winnings, so to speak. And so they started asking me lots of the same questions. And then uh, several of them said, hey, man, why don't you just create a video so that way you can point people to it? And that way they know the ins and the outs. So I did. I created a couple of videos. It's always been me and my oldest son. So we created the videos for them and I just kind of took off. Next thing you know, we've interviewed about a thousand different people. Uh, we started seeing a lot of the pain points even more so in crypto. So we actually ended up diving in, already having a, a software development company. It made sense for us to build um, you know, a safe place for people to put their crypto. Mm -hmm. 
and a safe place for people to do all the stuff that they want to do in crypto through one application. So myself and co-founder Snaybot, and we also got the uh, the co-founder of LinkedIn, Eric Lee. We got Roger Bear. We got the creator of the smart contract. We have just tons of amazing people on the Monarch team. And we created, you know, Monarch Wallet, which is kind of like a super dap. It's like this. Uh, it's like WePay. It's like WeChat with WePay. It's like all the coolest things, all the best services, all the best companies that we partner with in one application through one login. So now you don't need 40 apps to do all the different things that you want to do in blockchain. You can just use one. And then that was more for the users. So they would be a, a bank anywhere that they go in the world and have access to all their stuff because it's, it's decentralized. Then we created Mon- Monarch Pay for the merchants. And so Monarch Pay is kind of like a, a decentralized PayPal to where uh, it never costs more than like 1% for your transactions. There's never chargebacks. It's decentralized using stable coins. So this way merchants, if they have reoccurring services or goods or anything like that, where they're, where they're sending to their customers, you know, once a week, once a day, once a month, whatever, they can, they can use Monarch Pay. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. Now they've got a reoccurring payment method that's decentralized. It costs less than 1% with no chargebacks. And that's live today too. So we built those things, you know, for the, for the masses. And we're just making it easier and easier and easier every day for people outside of crypto to start using this stuff. And everything I just mentioned, like I said, is live today. You can go download Monarch Wallet, you know, from Apple or Google, or you can go um, within Android, you know, right now, next week it'll be Apple too. You'll be able to use uh, Monarch Pay. And then of course, monarchpay.com. So everything that, uh, you know, we learned from from the space from from 11 to, to now and all the pain points we try to address in those two applications. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's been taken off. I mean, 360,000 users already and uh, it's crypto. So that's nothing in, in uh, you know, the, the real world, but in crypto, that's, yeah, it's pretty substantial. Yeah, that's a st- substantial. Are you, so, I mean, if, if you use Monarch Pay, how uh, how would that be done in a retail environment, or, or do you not suggest it's done in a retail environment yet? Yeah, so it's great for e-commerce, right? So within yeah. 30 seconds, say for instance, you just go on your PC or your Mac, whatever, you just type in monarchpay.com where it says get started, you click that little button. In about 30 seconds, you just fill out these little drop-down fields, and at the end of it, it's going to give you a little link and you put that link on your website or you embed it in, in an image or whatever. And anybody that clicks that link is going to become your subscriber. They can stop it or start it whenever they want, just like you could if you were the merchant. So it works really, really well for online for, um, you know, like in, like, I guess in, in store for, for like brick and mortar places, things like that, they would use the wallet. So that way they could just use, um, you know, it's a free application. Everything I just mm-hmm. mentioned is, is free. So the transaction fees are like less than 1%. Okay, Monarch pay, but- okay good. All right. Uh, I just want to clarify, you know, how, uh, the extent that uh, you guys have solved this, this, I think this last mile issue with, with e-commerce and, you know, making it uh, universally available no matter what you're setting. But uh, I, we're getting close and maybe you guys will be the first to kind of solve it on, on every level. So, all right. Well, thanks for describing that. Um, are you familiar with uh, the term DeFi? Yeah, decentralized finance. Yeah, I mean, where do you think we are uh, in terms of rolling out true decentralized finance applications and, and where do you see it going? Well, I mean, if you just look at the landscape and you'll realize quickly that about 95 to 98% of the crypto stuff that's taken off, it's all centralized. So that's very much against 
what DeFi stands for. And, and the, the idea behind, you know, DeFi is to have no central authority, right? No one person, no one company in charge of it, right? It's supposed to be like borderless. It's like Satoshi's original vision back in, I don't know, what was it? Uh, Halloween 2008, in his white paper, where he talks about a peer-to-peer digital cash that you can take it anywhere without having anybody mess with you. That's like the the true heart of DeFi. And so you can see that the products that have come out so far, they don't have that centralized feel. They don't have that uh, ease of use. And then the ones that do, they're, they're quickly shut down because they want KYC and AML from the regulatory bodies. So again, it doesn't really become um, all that decentralized. So I think we're we're probably several years away from anything that's going to be like amazing. I think there'll be stuff that comes out just like Monarch Pay. I think it's it's awesome right now. Um, it'll get better and better, but when when you when you talk about like a truly decentralized, you know, framework and applications, I don't know that we'll ever get there. To be honest, um, I think that there's going to be trade offs along the way. I, I don't think we'll truly ever. I mean, if you look at Bitcoin, you could say that it's decentralized, but then you could argue, no, it's not, because you get all these miners, you get the yeah. you get the core team, you know, that's not incentivized to work on the code, and they're off working on these little second layer hustles to make money and letting the main chain go to crap. You know, I mean, you <laughs> there really is nothing that's truly decentralized, um, you know, that people have really adopted very well. So even with Monarch, you know, we've only got 360,000 users. That's that's nothing in the real world. You know what I mean? That's like the population of Stockton, which is great. It's awesome. You know, those people are happy. Hey, it's a start. Yep. But yeah, we're, we're still years away from anything, I think. Do you see anything around the corner, uh, Robert, that you, you're thinking, oh, that's going to be a good deep, whether it's truly decentralized or not, and we really need a definition of that. Um, but do you see anything around the corner that you think, oh, shit, that's going to be a game changer? Hmm. Well, I mean, just just the idea of Bitcoin at its core uh, is is an original game changer. That's one that mm-hmm. that I always fall back on. It's 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 one of those things. It truly is one of the greatest inventions of my time. You are basically a walking, talking bank that nobody can mess with anywhere in the world. That right there, if we just stop there, that's one of the greatest gifts to humanity that we could ever have. Um, but going forward from there, there's all different types of things like, well, I mean, I guess you could start talking about, uh, you know, real estate, you could start talking about medical records, you could talk about farm to fork, you could talk about all these decentralized applications that, uh, that make sense. But again, it's one of those things too, that's garbage in garbage out. So if people are just filling it with all kinds of random stuff and nobody's really curating it, I, I don't know, man. I just think it's, I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to end up being some kind of mix of centralized with decentralized that really takes off that has that ease of use. It's got kind of that uh, curation of data that people want. Um, you know, it's it's really cool to say DeFi this and DeFi that and, you know, raise a bunch of freaking money. But then, you know, when you look at what they built, it's, you know, there's still all kinds of centralized aspects of it. I mean, look at EOS. You know what I mean? And they, they raised like $4 billion and like crippled the Ethereum network, uh, you know, well, the Ethereum price at least, taking all the, <laughs> taking everything in, in Ethereum, yeah. taking all the money in Ethereum and then, you know, selling the Ethereum. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, you still got these, these 21, you know, masters of sorts that are still what appears to be in collusion with each other. And anyways, that's, that's like the extent of like uh, decentralized we have right now is where they, people like to say, Hey, yeah, this is really decentralized. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, 
there's really like 20 people that are like buddies and they're just like talking back and forth. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's more than just one person, but I don't know that we'll ever, ever get to a place where it's just truly decentralized. Bitcoin's the closest thing that I think that we'll probably ever have, but you can see that it has weaknesses as well. And whoever's going to be running it, you know, if, if, if they're up to no good, if you have a bunch of bad actors, guess what? You're going to end up with a bad product. So it's it's very difficult, man. I can't see beyond anything that's it's ever going to be completely decentralized. I think it's going to be a mix of both, some kind of some kind of committee, some kind of something that is accountable that uh, we could replace. You know, think of it like the original Constitution, something like that. I think would work. Um, but what we've seen so far are are very uh, lackluster in comparison to what they've promised. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, especially in DeFi, where. You know, it seems like every new application uh, or uh, chain that comes out is built on the successes and failures of the last one. And I, I look at MakerDAO and what they're doing with Ethereum and how they're using it to stabilize uh, uh, prices. I think that's truly innovative in my book. Now, you could argue it's not truly decentralized. I think, I think that'd be correct because there's certain there's, humans have got to take the price of Ethereum and plug it into to make your DAO every single day. Yes, you could automate that, but uh, you know whether we can agree to a, a definition of decentralized or not. That's for another another day. I do think that MakerDAO is is pr- truly pretty innovative and have taken it to the next level. What, what's your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean it's a beautiful smart contract. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of elegance behind it that um, is kind of like a world's first, and I think there's a lot of really cool stuff there. When you look at Maker as a coin above it, though, yeah, you know that creates a little bit of an issue because Dai is supposed to be stable, and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's close, it's close. But you get the Maker portion of it, and then you get the Dai portion of it, and currently, right now, it's all backed by Ethereum. So, you know, if Ethereum goes to zero, how are they going to yeah. keep Dai stable? So, the idea behind a stable coin or stable token is either a, it's a peg, it's like an algorithm that just you know forces people in and forces people out at certain times to keep the price stable, or it's actually backed by assets that are the equivalent to let's just say one u s dollar. And uh, I haven't really seen that yet. I mean, you've seen tether, and again, that's centralized for sure. Uh, we don't exactly know what they have, but if if um, say ethereum is a black swan event, what, what is that going to do the price to die? The only thing that I'm aware of that can withstand uh, black swan events is like what uh, my buddy David Zimbeck created. So he created a peg, but again, it has issues as well because if you have a black swan event, it keeps people from dumping it. So now you don't have access to your funds. So there's, there's all like these little trade-offs, man, everywhere you look, there's like, there's like trade-offs. And, uh, but what, you know, what, what maker has done uh, with, with die, I think is, pretty freaking awesome man it's an elegant smart contract it's a it's a very good start when they start bringing on other coins and tokens and who knows maybe they bring on uh, actually really stable assets that are truly backed by a dollar of value you know it it may take off and be really really cool yeah i mean uh, i i would think that they'd expand beyond ethereum because uh, you're right you've pinpointed i think something a, a truly a true weakness i mean ethereum's stood the test of time so far but they've had their own issues they've had to fork in the past yeah, and who the, knows what that, what happens then? Sure, but I mean, one of the biggest problems with crypto, man, especially when you start talking about like Dai and all these other things, they're ERC twenty tokens. So for the for the noob for the for the new person outside of crypto coming into crypto, they don't understand crypto to begin with. 
they don't understand blockchain at all. And then trying to, con- trying to I don't know, educate them is, is, is a waste of time because you need to just make it stupid, simple, so they don't need to be educated. They just use it. But with, even with like DAI, you got to have Ethereum just to send DAI. Yeah. So now it's a two-token structure, which is really confusing. That'll never take off. Anytime you have to use, like for instance, if, if to send a dollar, you had to have yen with you, who would use it? You know what I mean? And so that's one of the biggest problems that I see. Like one of the cool things about Bitcoin is you send Bitcoin and you know, a little little sliver goes off to the miners to pay the network fees and it's cool. Mm-hmm. But with Ethereum, you need Ethereum to fuel the, the network to send DAI or to send, you know, USDC or anything to USD, you name it. So that, that's a big hurdle they got to get over too. Uh, Ethereum will never work the way it is right now in, in masses. Right now, it, it worked as an ICO platform. People made a lot of money using it, but this will never, ever, ever, um, as is, take off in the mainstream. Yeah, really? so you don't think uh, they'll innovate beyond where they they are now? They have and to. make it more mainstream. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know they have to, but... Uh, yeah, no, as is now, if this is the final product, it's dead. Right. You might as well just move on. Yeah. There, it, it's getting a lot of use, though. I mean, as, as for as kind of a what I call a second generation utility token. I mean, it seems like it's they they've uncovered a lot of things that people haven't thought of before, and there'll be another innovation on top of that. I think that takes it to the next level, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. When you say a lot of use, I mean, what do you consider a lot of use? I mean, you look at like video games; they bring in a hundred million people a day. You look at make or die and all this kind of stuff. You got maybe a thousand people moving stuff around that are legitimate people, not, you know, some type of bot or market yeah. maker. No, I mean, if DeFi, you know, in the DeFi, you know, the subject of DeFi, I think they're, they're doing pretty well. I mean, it's still, I mean, as you know, very nascent market. What I'm looking for is, okay, DeFi is becoming a big term, but who are the players in it and what's, what's going to happen in this whole space? Yeah, well, that's the beauty of Monarch is we take the best of everybody out there. I don't look at ourselves as competing with anybody. If somebody is doing great, they come to Monarch. We plug them in. They have access to our users. Our users have access to them. So I want all this stuff to get better. I want it to get easier. You know, I don't look at uh, wallets or anything like that as competitors. We have no problem plugging them in as well. So when 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 you're talking about the you know the greater good of DeFi and hoping it gets to to where it needs to be for people to come on, look, there's nobody nobody out there more than myself that would love to see that happen. Well, um, I got one more question before our kind of the final question that we ask everybody, and that is, you know, you've probably heard of China's announcement about DCEP, and wanted to get your take on that, and what what, what do you think it means to us, those of us in the United States? I got to tell you, man, I'm a little worried. And the reason for that is China's got what, almost 3 billion people or something, 2 billion people. But mm, in Asia, yeah, but in Asia though, if you just look at like WePay, Alipay, DashPay, all the stuff that they're using over there, yeah, there might only be, <clears throat> excuse me, there might only be like one or 1.8 billion uh, Chinese, which is a freaking lot. But there is a crap ton of, of Asians that are using, oh, yeah. that are using, you know, all those different applications as well. Now, when I was there just, I don't know, less than a month ago, you'll quickly realize that nobody over there is using paper money. They're using all these applications. And so now with, you know, the Chinese central bank saying, hey, for the past five years, we've been making our own blockchain. We've been making our own cryptocurrency. And then you hear the rumors that uh, China has been hoarding like 20,000, what is it, like 20,000 pounds of gold, some crazy amount of gold. Then you got the, uh, you know, the Chinese, um, uh, what is it, uh, President Jinping, he's, he's like, hey, we're going to be uh, embracing blockchain. 
You got them pushing uh, the adoption of Bitcoin even to 100 million people on one of their applications. You got them embracing mining. Now they're saying, hey, you know, before we banned mining, but you know, now that everybody's embracing this here in China, bring all your mining companies here. So you can already see that they're starting to embrace this. They're going to have their own cryptocurrency. They're going to have their own blockchain. It's possibly backed by gold. You're going to have billions of people being forced to use this while the United States is still here saying, uh, what's this Bitcoin thing? I'm not sure I understand it. We don't need an ETF. We don't need this. We don't need that. Facebook, you're evil. You know what I mean? All this, all this yeah. uh, counterproductive stuff. I mean, even Canada. Canada is like, hey, man, this ETF isn't a bad deal. You know, we'll throw it on the Toronto Stock Exchange. So, boom, Canada got an ETF before we did. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really counterproductive to what we in the U.S. are known for, which is innovation. And so, if we don't start stepping up our game, if our regulators don't start, you know, embracing this as well, we could end up finding ourselves in a whole world of pro, uh, trouble where the, the dollar is no longer the global reserve currency and there's some kind of cryptocurrency out there that half the world's using and, and we're not allowed to. So it's, uh, it's definitely some crazy times ahead. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, I was, I was very concerned. Uh, you probably watched the hearings with Zuckerberg as I did. You know, how the view of Congress is so negative and it was on both sides of the aisle. It was really kind of uh, interesting to see, A, they don't know shit about crypto. B, there's such a negative attitude about it. Now, I couldn't, I couldn't discern whether that attitude is because they just didn't like Zuckerberg or, or they just don't like the crypto space. But, uh, I, you know, I saw us take a huge leap back when, uh, when, when watching those, those interviews. No, uh, what do you think? I thought it was appalling. See, when, when you're out there representing the people, you're supposed to represent the people. What I saw out there were people attacking Zuckerberg, looking for sound bites that they could actually use in their next congressional run. Because in Congress, people run every two years. So they need to have those little sound bites that, you know, Facebook is evil. They leaked our data, blah, blah, blah. Here's me attacking them, you know, for what they did to you, to us, you know, and there's that sound bite. You know, that's, that's what I saw was them hedging for their next congressional run, not trying to get to the point of, hey, how can this help the American people? How, maybe we should be, you know, kind of giving these guys a little bit of little room to innovate here. Well, we'll monitor them. We'll make sure that they don't destroy the dollar here. We'll make sure it's backed by dollars and we all win together. No, that's not what I heard. What I heard was just sound bites, them looking to, to bash him, make fun of him, talk about his hair, all kinds of stuff that it's like petty sixth grade crap that they shouldn't be doing. They should be representing the people. And I didn't see that there at all. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's uh, very, very concerning. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. Anyway, uh, Robert, I have one last question. I ask everybody this question, and that is in 100 words or less, if you could invest a fictional $100,000 in one or two cryptos, what would they be and why? Hmm. Well, I would say that, uh, like I've always done, that'd be Bitcoin. So it's, it's the OG. You know, it's kind of like Kleenex of tissues, right? It's been the first one. It'll probably be the last one too that you know that survives if everything else dies, and I think ninety nine percent will. Uh, I would say that uh, Bitcoin, you know, I would just throw the hundred grand on that. I wouldn't bother with really anything else unless, um, you know, I mean, I obviously I could say Monarch because I know that we're going to be here for as long as we possibly can, always bringing value. But uh, that seems a, a little self indulgent. So if it wasn't Monarch, then it would be Bitcoin, and then uh, possibly uh, Bitcoin Cash, maybe those two. Wonderful. All right. Really appreciate it. Great having you on the show. 
Uh, can't wait to have you back on some other topics that I had uh, that have come to mind since this uh, this discussion. So, if you enjoy our podcast, especially with guys like Robert, who's wealth of knowledge, please write a review for us in the Apple Podcast and Google Play apps. Your reviews encourage us and help others to choose this podcast to listen to. Um, and again, Robert, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So God bless, and we'll catch you all on the next one. A reminder that we are not financial advisors, and anything we talk about or refer to on the show should not be considered or construed as financial advice. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions.